All right, before we even get into this episode, I want you guys to know that Cannabis News Now is ranked in the top 30 cannabis podcasts in the world, all right? I did a quick research. I wanted to research to see what progression a podcast is going, and we're top 30. Now, granted, we used to be higher. We used to be top 20 cannabis podcasts in the world. I don't know what happened in the last year. I blame myself. But, hey, you guys can do your part by sharing this podcast with a friend, hopefully getting them to subscribe. Let me know what you want to hear in the podcast, and we will grow this to be back in the top 20 once again all right i mean 2018 2019 we were killing the game we were growing fast the instagram was growing fast and it's seeming like in the last year or so things have been slowing down so we dropped from being in the top 20 to now being top 30 27 in fact and we are going to make a comeback folks all right don't call it a comeback all right high tv we're coming for that number one spot share the podcast let's get back to the episode you are listening to high tv your place for cannabis news, insights, and information. If you're new to this podcast, you're a newbie. What's going on, newbie? Welcome to the show. Hope to see you soon. Just know when Monday morning comes and this podcast plays in your cars and your headphones, you will be the most informed person in cannabis in your circle. Stay tuned and stay high, folks. ITV. Welcome back to another episode of High TV's Cannabis News Now. As always, as always, I want to thank you guys for listening to the episode. If you caught last week's episode that I did delete, it was only up for 24 hours. Now, the reason why it was up for 24 hours was it was not really a Cannabis News Now episode. It's more of a personal anecdote. If you will, we all go go through certain things in life that we kind of want to mull over and think over and that was what the episode was uh quick update for those who listened and care oh uh, yeah everything is straight everything is copacetic at work um no problems you know at all it was just one moment that i realized i wanted to get off my chest and that's what i did so in today's episode what we're going to talk about is first foremost not first foremost but we're going to talk about cannabis versus OCD. Now, we have some new studies that had went on that communicated what effects cannabis has on individuals who may suffer from OCD, and particularly CBD. We're also going to mention how cannabis companies are thinking about going public now that uh, it looks like Joe Biden is leading in the polls and they have a bright, opportunistic outlook on the future if the Democrats win the presidency. Uh, also, we're going to talk about a few other things. But as always, I want to talk about, I just want to parlay with y'all, talk to y'all a little bit, you know, before we get to business. I just want to talk to y'all. So uh, some crazy things happened in the news recently. I mean, Trump is now back out having his rallies. The guy's on steroids. He's dancing. He's coming out to YMCA. You know, the man the man came out confident. Now, there's theories saying that the guy was on, like, Adderall or some type of stimulant to make him seem virile, you know. And he was up there talking, as he always talks. And he, he has said something like he would kiss everybody in the crowd. That's how healthy he feels. And they'll be safe. One thing with me, the nice part. I went through it. Now they say I'm immune. I can feel, I feel so powerful. I'll walk into that audience. I'll walk in there. I'll kiss everyone in that audience. I'll kiss the guys and the beautiful women and um, everybody. I'll just give you a big f- 
I mean, the guy even said that, yeah, I'll kiss everyone, the women, the men, and, you know, I wouldn't enjoy it so much, but I'll kiss the men too. Hey, look, that guy's handsome down there. And even though that could be thrown out as a comment that he just, you know, talking his shit as Trump normally does, I found it very strategic. And here's why I say that. We all know, or most people in America know, that the song YMCA or whatever the hell the song goes, Macho Macho Man, you know, not only is a communicative tool used to communicate the strength that Trump has now recovering from coronavirus, but also is like a gay anthem, right? And the Republicans tend not to go gay, right, because they're conservative and Christian. So that's not really in their bag of tricks. However, if you're Trump and you're seeing that in the polls, old Joe, all right, is leading in the polls, you're going to try and pull, you know, at least some voters somehow. I think that's what that was. And um, before I get into, you know, Trump, the elections and everything, I want to talk about something else that was in the headlines. Diddy. Diddy was in the headlines. I don't know if this is because Kanye decided to make his return to Instagram by releasing a quasi-political video about how he wants to bring God back into politics and the presidency and all these other things. I mean, do I think Kanye is going to win the presidency? Of course not. Um, Why Kanye is doing this? It could be for a multitude of reasons. It could be for the fact that he sees an opportunity that a lot of eyeballs are focusing on the election. And so he's going to, you know, make himself be impregnated into the conversation, which he's done a great job for. And a lot of people are mad at him. They're saying that Kanye being or taking any parts in the polls is going to deter from Joe Biden. Now, I don't think that's going to deter anyway. Any serious voter out there who cares about the future of their country is not going to look towards Kanye as a purveyor, as a purveyor of truth and, and order. That's probably who he represents is the opposite of, you know, order at all. The guy is off the walls. Um, And one thing that did struck me was the fact that Diddy had an interview with Charlemagne the God talking about basically that he wants to create a black political party. Folks are revolting against Diddy in droves. The bad boy head honcho has launched a new initiative, Our Black Party. But people think that Puff isn't the leader we necessarily need. If Trump gets elected... I I really do believe in my heart there'll be a race war. Diddy is demanding change. His Our Black Party mission is to create a platform to help advance a political agenda that addresses the needs of black people. Initially, the two-step king was telling black people to withhold their vote until promises concerning the community were enacted. Now, in a conversation with Charlemagne the God, Diddy is doing an about face and saying we should follow his initiative and vote for Biden. It would be irresponsible of me to um, have us hold our vote hostage. Mm-hmm. But it would also be irresponsible of me to just let this moment go by. The world is watching and not do everything I can to make sure that going forth that we are part of the narrative, mm-hmm. that we own our politics. Diddy also says we need to build up a black political army and build coalitions with communities, community leaders, and organizations that are black led and serving black communities. You know, if you don't know Trump, excuse me, Diddy had referred to Trump and Biden saying that he didn't enjoy or like any of the candidates. So he publicly said to people, withhold your vote in protest. Now, who knows what his true motives are, right? I think once you hit billionaire status, I think your thoughts are going to always be in some way self-servant. You know, I understand that just because you're a billionaire doesn't mean you lack empathy and you lack the wherewithal to think about others. 
you know, in your actions. But I do think Diddy somehow is going to construct a way for him to win here. You know, I mean, what does he get out of telling people not to vote? You know, and he had recently, you know, rescinded, is it a word, rescinded, or he took back his words on telling people not to vote by saying, hey, look, we got to get this guy out of office, but then when we get Joe in office, we got to make sure he works towards our agenda. And, you know, a lot of things were said in the interview that was just pretty inflammatory. You know, the fact that he said that if Trump wins, it's going to start a race war. He didn't say there could be one. He said there will be one. And I hate to talk of a race war because in my opinion, as much as I love my people, you know, given the socioeconomic status and systematic, you know, racism that exists, I don't think that we will come out victorious in a race war i mean for instance we're only 13 percent of the 13 to 16 percent of the population and if there is a race war as we can see here in miami there's a video on vice news about the latino proud boys that are here in miami and i think it's going to be a, it's going to be a wash i think they're going to side this they're going to go to side of you know the people that look most like them in their opinion and it's not going to be pretty all right so i'm not advocating for a race war it's not what we're doing here at high tv i just wanted to mention that because that raised my alarms and Diddy wasn't the only rapper, hip-hop artist that was in the political, you know, media go-round, if you will. Ice Cube was also. He was being dragged, canceled, if you will. I mean, the same guy that sung, you know, Today is a Good Day and starred in the movie Are We There Yet? is not looking too good right now. And the reason why he's not looking too good is apparently, you know, Ice Cube's a very intelligent guy, right? He's a man who typed the movie, a classic cult favorite Friday himself. He wrote the movie himself, produced the movie himself. Everything was him, right? If you look at NWA, the movie that came out about, you know, the group that he was a part of, he was the one writing lyrics for not only himself, but also Eazy-E, the most famous person out of the group, R.I.P. So that being said, we're talking about a man here who has, you know, the intelligence to cohesively put together his ideas and make things into fruition. I mean, the guy probably had a conversation with his buddies while smoking a blunt and saying, yo, you know what would be dope? If we get all these retired NBA players and create our own league, but for older players. Because I'm sure I want to see, you know, Amari Stoudemire out the NBA, but I still want to see him play. Jamal Crawford, I still want to see him play. And that's what he created in the big three. Now, Ice Cube's, you know, endeavors aside, what his plan was, was to come up with, you know, contract with Black America. And reading an excerpt from CNN, it says, close to the country's wealth, what he wants to do with contract with Black America is to close the country's wealth gap between Black and white Americans. It advocated more government contracts with black businesses and abolishing privately run prisons. For example, the plan boasted a tagline, whatever side of the aisle you're on, let's finally have something to celebrate. Now, his intentions were pure. His intentions were to help his people how he sees fit. And instead of sitting back and complaining like everyone else does, why not put your resources together, your influence uh, that you have and put it to good use. And so he decided not to just communicate with one side of the aisle, but as I mentioned, he discussed with either side of the aisle. Now, again, his 
intentions seemed exemplary in its pureness. However, in actuality and in reality, that was not the case. Now, why is Ice Cube being dragged? He's being dragged because, you know, one, he's a black guy, and two, he's communicating with Trump's team. And I think both sides used him as a pawn in order to gain political favor. If you're conservative, you know that you have voters who probably aren't hip-hop listeners. You know you have voters who are more suburban or rural in their environment, therefore hip-hop urban culture isn't what they gravitate to and if I may say may have some fear you know towards that group so that being said I think that the Republicans use this opportunity to one say hey look even this guy a part of hip-hop is saying the Democrats aren't doing their job and wants to work with us which isn't the case he was just you know, milling out the offers. Put it this way. Remember you were a kid and let's say you wanted to go out on a late night with friends in high school. You know that if you ask one of your more strict parents, they're probably going to say no. And so what you do is ask the other one because they're probably going to say yes. And that's exactly what he did. He presented his want to either go out at night with his friends, in this case, build the contract with black America to improve the lifestyles of black Americans. And the side that was more receptive seemed to be Trump's or the Republican side. Now, this goes to a larger picture of having celebrities take part in politics. And I think it's very alarming, one, because we have a president who is a celebrity. And I think that street was paved with not only Ronald Reagan becoming president as an actor, you know, way back in the day, but also more recently, Arnold Schwarzenegger being the governor of California. And I think this is a trend that may go on in the future. For some reason, as Americans, we have a love, an addiction to celebrity. And this can be seen in the in the almost crackhead nature that social media all makes us. That fact that we will follow a page that has tens of thousands of followers more than another page that has less. And there's a reason why fake followers are such a, you know, issue on Instagram. We see the goals for getting a blue check being something that people will work their ass off to pop to potentially get, which all it is is a graphic and pixels. But for some reason, seeing blue check gives you the validation, you know, of some sorts, whatever, whatever, whatever the people feel when they get a blue check is 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 same reason why we see celebrities becoming you know a mainstay in politics and the reason why i mention this is trump responded with his platinum plan and it has nothing to do with cannabis at all but it was just something i want to talk about that there's always going to be individuals who have a plan for the people but politics is such a a grind to get things done it's 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 a long long process so i'm happy that ice cube decided to you know go ahead and try and get this stuff done i'm happy that you know diddy wants to put his hat in the race not to run for presidency but create his own political party and use his money to fund these endeavors you know but uh, time will tell what will happen from this time will tell you know if this is successful the last rapper to try and create a quote-unquote black political party was Tupac Shakur R.I.P. and we all know what happened there you know whether that had anything to do with his you know death who knows but it's just something that we have to be adherents of right because sometimes even if you're a purveyor of progress, not everyone wants you to see that progress come to light. All right. Um, so 
enough with the whole, you know, Diddy Ice Cube thing. Let's move on to what's happening locally here in Miami. My Jami. Miami is finally open up, folks. We have the clubs now open up until 5 a.m. again. I mean, listen, just personally, I'm going to tell you a story that happened recently. All right. So I'm out with, uh, with some friends, colleagues. We're out here. We're drinking. And the place where we were eating and drinking decided to close at around 1030. Now, a 1030 closure is not something I'm used to. Like I said, I'm from the city that never sleeps. All right. We go to bars up until two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. All right. Just that, that's let, let's be honest. I mean, you even have clubs here in Miami locally that are open 24 seven, like it's a 24 seven club. You know, you can go in there at 5 PM in the daylight and not even realize that there's a time that passes by. Okay. So with that being said, I don't even know how to react to this. Like at first you want to be happy that things are finally going back to normal, that we're finally able to go out and have fun with friends. And all we have to do now is wear masks to be safe. But at least now things are going back to normal. If you're in business, you're happy because now you're potentially seeing your restaurant be saved by the city being back open. And if you're a lot, a lot like some of my friends who are Airbnb owners or Airbnb, whatever you want to call them, operators, they're happy to now see that their Airbnb can flourish when it was being so sad, sadly, you know, uh, starving for for tourists. Now, yeah, look, listen, it's winter. Right? Don't forget it's winter. Don't forget that it is cold everywhere else in the country, but here in Florida. And a lot of people, a lot of snowbirds will fly down and they're looking for Airbnb, Airbnbs to stay. So hopefully it's a good thing for the city. But listen, personally, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I think I'm going to stay my ass inside. Like, I'm, if you go on Google Trends right now, all right. If you go on Google Trends right now and you look up uh, COVID testing and you also look up coronavirus cases, you're going to see a spike in the search. Now, if you see this small spike, that same spike could be seen happening around February, March to where we saw numbers, you know, go off the charts. All right. So it shows that there's a correlation with Google trends and the number of cases opening up in and around the country. So with that being said, if you're in Florida, South Florida, particularly, please be safe. I know things are back open. I mean, I, I can't act like I'm innocent. I won't venture out one, one of these nights to stay out late, but uh, again, please be safe. I'm happy things are going back to normal, but it doesn't mean that the virus and the pandemic is over because we're seeing a spike happen in New York city. We see that can is back on a lockdown and who knows what the hell is happening in Florida for some reason it's like all the other 49 states says yo let's make Florida our guinea pig all right let's get Governor DeSantis to open everything up and see what happens all right if Florida can survive the rest of us can survive all right uh next up next up next up oh yeah Saturday Night Live is back folks Saturday Night Live is back now I'm a person, as you can tell, who likes to be a bit more lighthearted and enjoy the comedy side of things. And I was happy to see the likes of Chris Rock, Bill Burr, and Issa Rae be the host of Saturday Night Live and, and bring unique perspectives to their monologues. You know, one of which I want to focus on is Bill Burr. You know, Bill Burr did what Bill Burr does, all right? He teeters that line between funny and offensive in the most hilarious way. And I thought myself, it was hilarious what he mentioned. So, I haven't been in New York for about a year, you know. I was, uh, I was here last year. I was shooting a movie. Had a great time with Judd Apatow, Pete Davidson, and all the guys. Yeah, had a great time. 
And I hadn't been here in like 13 years, and I immediately noticed how extra crowded the city was. And I was getting all claustrophobic. I'm like, what's going on? How much some people not using safe sex and making all these babies, you know? <laughs> so I finally walked up to this old New York door guy, and I was just like, dude, what's going on? What's with all these people here? And he was just like, oh, no, 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 don't worry. He goes, it's June. He goes, it's Pride Month. And I'm like, what's that? You know, I'm 52. I never heard of it, right? <laughs> they didn't have that when I was a kid. He goes, oh, it's Gay Pride Month. And I was just like, oh! <laughs> Dude, you know when you're just like stuck in the matrix and you just can't, everything's just pressed up, you can't see anything, and then somebody gives you that little nugget of information that just pulls it back? It's like, why is it so crowded? It's Gay Pride Month. Ah, tank tops. 0% body fat. Two guys kissing. Rainbow flags. Ah! I didn't know that. That's what I learned. The month of June is Gay Pride Month. That's a little long, don't you think? For a group of people that were never enslaved. How did, how did they get all of June? Dude, black people were actually enslaved. They get February. They get 28 days of overcast weather. Sun goes down at four in the afternoon. Everybody's shivering. Nobody wants to go on the parade. Look, yeah. How about you hook them up with July? These are equator people. Give them the sun for 31 days. This gay black people, they could celebrate from June 1st June 31st, 30, 61 days of celebrating. All right, that's all my time. We got a great show for you guys, everybody. Jack White is here. It's gonna be amazing. Please stick around. We'll be right back. I think that's funny and a wise observation on his part. However, it's very offensive. And I think the outcry that was done per publicly to Bill Burr's comedy, you know, communicates the fact that Saturday Night Live much rather play it safe. Because if you realize no other part of the episode that we're, we're, we're all mentioning was a point of contention for a lot of people. There weren't op-eds written about how offensive, you know, the skits on Saturday Night Live was, but they did write it on Bill Burr's monologue. And it goes to show that Saturday Night Live as, as a whole or or a majority likes to play it safe where the monologue bill bird is is not in his brand to be safe but the issue is we all know saturday night live isn't that funny i can't tell you the last time i watched saturday night live and had a belly laugh like i can't tell you the last time i laughed and even shared a clip with a friend saying look how funny this skit was and you would think that saturday night live has been doing this for decades i mean they brought they brought to us chris rock they brought to us you know bill murr they brought to us will ferrell you know chris rock i mean the list goes on and on pete davidson the amount of people keenan thompson the amount of people that they had you know in their saturday night live you know uh family you would think that these guys know how to make funny right i mean one plus one is supposed to equal two if you have hilarious comedians and then you add that together with great comedic writers then that should equal comedy however it doesn't now the question is why isn't saturday night live funny and the reason why I don't think it's funny anymore is because they're playing it too safe. And this playing it too safe is something that we can see happening in our election this very second. 
if you look at the Democrats and you see that their goal is to appease to as many people as possible, they want to appease to the Latinos, they want to appease to the blacks, they want to appease to the gays, they want to appease to the, those who want more uh, uh, socialistic measures in place to help the poor. And they're just out trying to make everyone happy. And as Bill Cosby said, for lack of a better term, or individual. I think Bill Cosby said, if you try to make everyone happy, you'll end up making no one happy. And that could be seen in our political juncture right now. You know, I don't see the level of boisterous support for the Democratic Party as I see for the Republican. I don't see people, you know, sporting clothes as an identity factor to show who I am. Oh, I am a conservative. I am for America. I am patriotic. I don't see that with the Democratic Party. So this goes to show you that it's not best to play it safe. No, playing it safe, you know, is always a great plan if you don't want to offend somebody. Let's say you're at work. Of course you want to play it safe. Of course you don't want to offend anyone. But the issue is when you're at work, we all know that at times things can feel inauthentic. And that lack of authenticity garnishes uncomfortability. And that lack of authenticity prohibits connection from taking place. You know, I guarantee you at a workplace where everyone is allowed to be authentically themselves, we see a much more stronger connection between colleagues, friendships even. And that's important when it comes to not only building relationships at a, at a collegiate, collegiate, at a uh, work level, but also building relationships for getting people to vote for you. You know, like I, we see here that even Ice Cube is here trying to see which side is better and not blindly making a choice to side with one over the other, but rather opening up his mind objectively and entertain to see what both sides can give him. Because at the end of the day, if you want something done, it's not about which party you should line with. It's about which party is going to do right by you, right? If I have an agenda to say, I want all shoes on everybody's feet to be Timberlands, all right? Not the Timberlands that Kamala Harris wore that weren't authentic boots. I want Timberland boots with the two inch soles on them, right? On every single feet in America. Now, I'm going to go ahead and ask both parties to say, hey, look, this is what I want. I want Tim's on everybody's feet. If I go to one side and they say, well, I don't know if we can get that done. I mean, I like boat shoes and sandals. I mean, Crocs are making a comeback. A lot of our voters like Crocs. So I can't support this Timberland bill. But I go to the other side and they say, you know what? We're going to entertain that. Maybe we can come to a compromise and maybe we can, you know, start little by little. Maybe this city is, you know, mandatory for wearing Tim's and then we'll do it so on and so forth, you're probably going to gravitate towards a side that's willing to work things out, come to a compromise as to the others that are going to bullshit you and then not have anything done at all. Now, I think when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about uh, cannabis firms that are considering IPOing if Biden wins the presidency. But before then, I want to mention that if you look at the polls right now, it shows that Biden is in favor, you know, of voters. But I don't even think at this juncture, at this juncture, at this time, that I even believe any polling that's happening. I don't believe that the polls offer a true picture about what voters are thinking. You know, polling was made in order to help us possibly predict what the outcome may be. The issue is 
people that polling is not accurate. If you go back in the past, let's put on our Marty McFly Air Max shoes and go into the DeLorean and go back to 2016, four years ago. Four years ago, it showed that Hillary Clinton was leading all polling, that she would, in fact, win the presidency. And I saw these polls, believed the polling and thought to myself, this is a no brainer. No way this man could win. But I was wrong. The polling was wrong. And my trust in the polling showed me no longer to trust polls as a clear cut prediction of what will happen. So listen, if you're a part of the side that wants Joe Biden in office, don't take the polls as, you know, comfort. Don't see it as a testament of what will happen. Just see it as an inadequate, an inadequate, inaccurate representation of what may or may not happen. Right. Because like I said, Hillary was leading the polls in 2016. And then we saw what the result is four years later. All right. And listen, again, 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 I want to thank you guys for tuning into the episode. We're going to start off the second half of the episode talking about IPOs and then do a deep dive into cannabis versus OCD. All right. Uh, Before we go, let's quickly talk about a throwaway topic, if you will. Uh, Indoor hemp. Indoor hemp seems to be growing in popularity. If you guys remember, like we, the brand that I sell CBD flour, focuses on indoor hemp. Now, 90% of our products that we sell are indoor flour, but we also provide outdoor hemp for those who may want a cheaper option. Listen, because growing indoors, you know, calls for the necessity of having lighting, all right, having environmental controls, having humidity, you know, machines available, it's going to be a much more expensive product. And the the, the proof is in the pudding. When you look at an outdoor hemp flower and then look at an indoor hemp flower, what do you see? You see outdoor hemp flower with seeds still attached to the bud. You see outdoor hemp flower being much more harsh when you're smoking it because, as we know, hemp is an environmental accumulator, which means that at its roots, hemp has the ability to draw in impurities from the soil into the plant and then use that, you know, in order to proliferate itself. Now, quick anecdote, when Hiroshima and Nagasaki happened in World War II, where America decided to drop the atom bomb, the nuke on Japan, uh, a lot of hemp was grown in certain areas in order to eradicate the soil of radiation. Hemp has the ability to clean up soil where it's grown. So with that being said, if you're growing outdoors and you're you're not making your soil from scratch, chances are the hemp you have are going to have, you know, maybe some metals in there and some impurities that you may not want in users to ingest. And typically that's fine if you're using that hemp in order to make CBD oil, because you'll get the hemp, you'll process it, you'll separate, you know, out different materials via a chromatography and you'll try to get the cbd that you're looking for and those impurities can be thrown away however if you're going to be smoking hemp flour it could be dangerous to smoke outdoor hemp flour that can have these impurities in it so that's why as as this uh, report shows indoor hemp facilities are growing in popularity and particularly in tennessee in uh south and north carolina and on the east coast to where a lot of hemp is being grown indoors and i'm clearly blown away by the production it seems not even year over year but typically quarter 
after quarter, we're seeing hemp make leaps and bounds to looking just like the THC flowers we all love and enjoy. It's just as frosty. The hairs on it are just as strong and the orange, all right? It is covered in trichomes and it's almost indistinguishable. Now, the issue with this happens, the issue with this, folks, is that a lot of individuals are taking this indoor hemp that looks like THC. They're spraying it with Delta 8 THC, which is THC, just not as strong, and they're selling it as mids, quote unquote, to where it is, they're selling it as if it's regular THC flour. Now, granted, in any industry, you're going to have those bad apples that try to, you know, scheme and come up with ways to rob people of their money. And this is just the newest one. Take some CBD flour, spray it with Delta 8, and now you have a flour. When you smoke it, you feel kind of high, right? I mean, it's high in CBD, it's high in THC, and that's what they like. Now, granted, I'm fine with the idea of Delta 8 being sprayed on hemp flour. The only issue is... When you're selling it as THC, you're robbing and lying to your consumer. Like, I wouldn't be opposed if, like we, decided to get Delta 8 THC, you know, dribble, you know, some Delta 8 on the nugs, make it into like a moon rock, and now you have yourself an extra strong, potent nug with Delta 8 CBD and CBG in it. That would be great. I'll be happy with that. But uh, nonetheless... You know, we're going to see these trends happen more and more. We're going to see, you know, smokable hemp become more and more of an industry because people like myself who are avid THC smokers find much more solace and feel much more comfortable in ingesting CBD flour as opposed to THC. You know, not everyone can, you know, handle the anxiety that could be felt when taking THC. And so smoking hemp is a much better alternative. Now, again, thank you for listening to the first half of this episode. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to give you the deep dive. I know we didn't do quick hits this week, but again, cannabis news is super slow. It is slow-mo. And because cannabis news is slow, we are limited in the stories we can tell you. So I try to subjugate different things that were interesting to me and then have you guys think about it, talk about it, discuss amongst yourselves and friends as to what may or may not be interesting. So again, see you after the break thank you for listening second half of the episode is coming soon and please check out the ads for this week's episode and that's it it's over this historic 2020 nba championship belongs to the los angeles lakers the lakers conquer the bubble and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters Everybody out there, don't ever give up on you. Give up on your dreams. Keep fucking doing. I swear, just keep fighting. I swear to God, don't ever give up on yourself. Look at this shit, bro. It's all the curse out of the kids out there. Bro, listen, don't ever give up on yourself. No matter how hard you get, you already a champion. Welcome back to the second half of the episode. But first, but first and foremost, I want to go ahead and pop the collar one time, you know, dust his shoulders off, because your boy did predict that LeBron James and the Lakers will win or would have won the NBA championship in six games. Yes, yes, yes. Now, of course, of course, I'm here in South Florida. I wanted Miami to have at least a chance to win. But, I mean, come on. I told you the NBA is all about business, okay? Listen, man, when you have Kobe who passed 
passed away in January. God rest his soul, him and Gigi, who died in a tragic accident. You know, you want to pay your respects. And so having the finals and 2-4 was very representative of respects for Kobe and Los Angeles and all his fans by having him win, you know, a game in his number. And two, I'm sure once the parade happens, if there's going to be a parade during this social distance COVID season, that a stable center will be named after Kobe. I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. Kobe was one of the people that played first in the Staples Center, him and Shaq. Now, granted, yes, I mean, I want to toot my own horn. I'm happy LeBron James has won his fourth championship. Does this mean that it improved the argument for him being the greatest of all time? I think it does. I mean, of course, it's going to be an asterisk on his championship because it did happen during a pandemic. The season did end early, and the playoff picture was a bit different. Nonetheless, the man is 30-plus years old, playing like a 20-year-old, and he went out there and showed his ass. I mean, a guy went out there shooting lights out one game. I couldn't believe his jump shot was looking that crazy. And it goes to show you, man, in life, you have to work hard. In life, you have to learn to sacrifice and work harder than the next man because there's always going to be somebody out there who's smarter than you, stronger than you, and have more resources than you. And the only thing that you can control is how hard you work. So for those of you out there who have goals and ambitions, go ahead and do not give up. Work your ass off. Believe that you can do it. I mean, take Take this story that happened in the NBA in this year's championship. Dwight Howard, Ray John Rondo, two individuals who were once, you know, darlings of the NBA who were at the top of their game, going to their own respective respective finals. You know, they were almost written out the league. They were, they were bouncing out the league. Dwight Howard went from team to team to team to no success. All right, we all but gave up on Dwight Howard. And he himself released a video saying that you can believe in yourself. He released a video saying that if you believe in yourself, anything is possible. And who would have thought that Dwight Howard in 2019 would be an NBA champion yet again. The same thing goes for Ray John Rondo, a guy who was probably one of the more smartest, probably one of the most smartest basketball IQ guys to ever play the game, you know, saw his career go on an indefinite decline. And it looks like he's coming back. I mean, look, as long as you want it and as long as you work for it, it is attainable. Now, as for the future of Ray John Rondo and the Lakers, I think that Ray John is going to test free agency because there were rumors that Chris Paul will join the Los Angeles Lakers. Is that a great idea? I don't know, because now you're going to have the oldest team in the league trying to win a championship, and you forget that you have a bunch more other hungry young people uh, in the league. I mean, look, if Giannis goes to Miami, I think it's going to be a good look. Will he actually do it? Who knows? But I like the move of Giannis going to the Miami Heat more than, you know, uh, him going to the Warriors. Now, this, is, this isn't a sports podcast, but we having a conversation. Nonetheless, I got 80% male listenership. I got to talk to y'all a little bit. But uh, yeah, as promised, we're going to jump into the second half of the episode where we talk about which companies are considering IPOing if Joe Biden wins. Now, if you guys watch the presidential election, there was a point where a question was asked of Joe Biden and it seemed very favorable for cannabis. Now, as the story goes, cannabis firms consider IPOs anticipating a Biden presidency. Multiple hemp and cannabis firms say they are planning initial public offerings under the assumption that Joe Biden will win a president presidential election next month. Representatives from Flora Health, Gage Cannabis, 
Biomedicine and Vertical Wellness each indicated plans to go public next year, in part due to the growing possibility Biden will win in November. The report notes that following the September 29th presidential debate, stock in cannabis companies with U.S. operations, including Curaleaf, Cresco Labs and Green Thumb Industries Inc. rose more than 20%. In fact, Afria, a company that we all probably forgot about, I think Afria has their hands somehow in the tobacco market as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but nonetheless, Afria had a huge comeback. I believe their stock went from about $4 something to uh, $6.44 now. I mean, that's a pretty large you know, increase in just a week. I believe the $4 was around October 2nd, and we're here now, October 18th, and we saw it grow considerably. And so for all you guys who bought cannabis stocks and thought it was all lost and your money's down the drain, you may be in 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 uh, you may be in for a fruitful future if Joe Biden wins the presidency, because we all know that a part of his campaign is to legalize cannabis and also open up, you know, accessibility to the cannabis industry to those who were wrongfully, you know, persecuted under its illegality but i digress and the story continues the polls also show polls pop up again those damn polls polls also show democrats have a strong chance at taking control over the republican-led senate which would replace majority leader mitch mcconnell who has blocked cannabis related legislation from reaching the floor for a vote Last year, the Democratic-controlled House approved the Safe Banking Act, the first time cannabis, excuse me, the first time Congress had considered standalone cannabis-related legislation, but it has not been introduced to the full Senate. The House had also scheduled a vote on the Moore Act, which would remove cannabis from the Controlled, Controlled Substances Act, but would vote Hopefully, no, excuse me, but that vote was delayed as lawmakers turned their attention to the coronavirus relief. So, of course, as I mentioned on this podcast, as the pandemic was at our forefront and now the election is in the forefront of our minds, cannabis is taking a back seat. However, now that the election, you know, will pass and if we do have a new person in the seat, it will be their duty to plan out what their next four years would look like. And I'm sure with any presidency, they want to leave a legacy. You know, we all know Obama led a legacy of uh, legalizing gay marriage. I feel like a lot of gay stuff has happened in this episode. Um, but anyway, yes, Obama did legalize gay marriage, and that was a part of his legacy. He did also implement the Obamacare uh, that allowed Medicare for all, and a lo- among other things. So, of course, I think when Biden comes into office, he will want to leave a legacy. And I'm sure that the legacy of cannabis will belong to the Democratic Party if won. And even if they, even if Biden loses the presidency, there is a chance for this election and, and in the future for the Democrats to take control of the House yet again. And then we'll see these laws, you know, much more likely to pass. Because if you have Mitch McConnell denying everything, once he's out of the picture, we're going to see things go forward and hopefully these cases don't reach the supreme court because we all know that the court is packed with republicans at this time so my question to you is do you think it's a good move for these cannabis companies to ipo under this new this new presidency because outside of cannabis the uh, stock market has gone pretty flat. You know, it's not really growing up. It's not going down. It's like the stock market is anticipating what will happen on November 3rd. Will, in fact, the uh, new presidency cause a change in business? Like a lot of tech companies are hoping for, you know, Trump to win the presidency because it means more profits for them. As you know, conservatives are much more attuned to appeasing the corporate individual's 
in the country. However, if we do see Joe Biden win and the Democrats win, we can see a possible cannabis uh, legalization or just a more act passed in the future. So we'll see. I mean, what do I think? Now, do I think it's a good move for them to IPO? I mean, why not? You know, I think going public offers a lot of companies much more leeway uh, to grow, but also is very risky because you could lose valuation. But nonetheless, at least you're in the public market. And we all know that cannabis stocks are hot. Pot stocks are hot. When pot stocks just came and dropped into the market, we saw a huge increase in many of their stocks. And then we saw a pretty depressing fall, including my money go down the drain. But nonetheless, I do see a future where, you know, things will bounce back. I think it's just a time. It's not an if, it's when, right? We know cannabis in the United States will become legal in all 50 states. And if that happens, these companies have a lot, lot more to go. If these states are making, you know, $100 million in taxes, in just taxes, you could only imagine the amount of money they're making, you know, in revenue overall. And I just want to hope, hopefully that revenue that these states are making, where cannabis is legalized in Massachusetts, in Colorado, in California, Washington, Oregon, uh, hopefully, hopefully these revenues go back to the people who were wrongfully, you know, persecuted under the illegality of cannabis in the past. All right, our deep dive. Cannabis versus OCD. Now, if you think about OCD, if you know anybody with OCD, they hate when things are out of order. I mean, listen, I have had my cases with people with OCD, and of course, I don't have OCD, so I don't understand it. So I'll do things like, I'll give you a story. In college, we're playing beer pong, right? The cups are facing upwards. As you know, you play beer pong, the goal is to get a ball into the cup. The cup got to be standing up, right? And so I'll do something if somebody is in a group that has OCD, like flip the cup, flip one cup over on its head or upside down where all the other cups are upright. And just that one change will drive people with OCD mad. You know, like just this week, you know, we have lab coats that we have to put on, you know, before sampling. And, you know, I took off my lab coat, put it on a hanger and then put it back on a rack. And one of my coworkers got upset and just saying, why would you do that? Why would you make things out of order? I'm like, what are you talking about? You, you know how you could have your hanger face one way or the other to where, you know, it's either curved on one side or, or, or empty on one. So I decided to put you know the lab coat up on the rack without thinking not even realizing all the lab coats were put there you know with the curved section facing outwards and it drove them crazy so i know people that have ocd they don't want to have to have this anxious feeling it comes when things aren't in order so having something like cannabis help will be amazing you know and and, in particular cbd that's available literally everywhere so the story goes as follows a study published in the journal of affective disorders found a reduction in obsessive compulsive disorder symptoms following inhaled cannabis use plus one for cannabis flowers i much rather inhaled cannabis than any other but let's continue the researchers excuse me the researchers analyzed data from 87 individuals who self-identified with ocd and tracked their compulsions intrusions and any other anxiety immediately before or after 1,810 cannabis use sessions for over 31 months. So one, this is a lengthy study, right? It, it lasted multiple years, of two and a half years, if you will, 31 months. And it was after they tested almost 2,000 cannabis use sessions. So you can say that this study does have validity because one, the OCD users were vigorously tested, right? 2,000 times. 
times and they were tested over 31 months. So when you look for studies, whether it be cannabis or otherwise, you want to look to see how long the study has been carried out and how many times they were tested because chances are the data trends will show, you know, what the true number is because of the number of testing that happened. Let's continue. The Washington State University researchers found patients reported a 60% reduction in convulsions, wow, and a 49% decrease in intrusions, and a 52% drop in anxiety from before or after cannabis use. The researchers note that there was no placebo, there was no placebo group. Now, granted, when you do studies, you want to have a placebo just to give you a baseline, you know, change, because you can tell somebody that, oh, this is cannabis, and you know cannabis re uh, reduces anxiety and so the placebo is in fact given to make sure that these individuals would you know report numbers that were a bit more accurate like for instance you can give somebody you know other herbs to smoke like chamomile and uh mulwort and other herbs lavender that they can smoke and they'll think it's cannabis and they'll give you a result that's much more realistic as opposed to you know what they think their effect would be. But nonetheless, seeing 60% reduction and 49% and 52%, that's huge. That's cutting your OCD symptoms literally in half just by ingesting cannabis. And it goes to show you what we already know. Cannabis chills you out, bro. Cannabis makes you relax, man. No need to stress. All right, anyway, I don't have the energy to be silly right now. So anyway, higher concentrations of CBD and other doses predicted larger reductions in compulsions. The number of cannabis use sessions across time predicted changes in intrusions such that later cannabis use sessions were associated with smaller reductions in intrusions. Interesting. Baseline symptom severity and dose reminded fairly, or excuse me, remained fairly constant over time. So I guess they're saying that when you're taking, or during the study, it showed that over time that the reduction that was felt by taking CBD was wasn't as strong in as it was in the beginning. And that makes sense, right? We, all of us are cannabis users here, and we know that at times we have to take a tolerance break. And we take the tolerance break so that when we do ingest THC again, it has that strong effect. And the same thing goes for CBD. I know that if I take a week break from taking CBD and I take it again, I know that the feelings I get will be back to how it was before, and it worked much better, and it will feel more potent. That's because naturally humans gain a tolerance to things that we ingest. Just like people who drink alcohol severely, they have a tolerance to being drunk. They can do activities that we can't, you know, do. If, if you're not a drinker and you're taking a shot, a couple shots, you're probably going to be drunk and feel drunk symptoms. But if you're an alcoholic, taking three shots is like taking a Flintstone gummy in the morning. You're not going to have much effect or change. Um, continuing on. So that quote I just read came from uh, the acute effects of cannabis symptoms on OCD by the Journal of Effective Disorders on October 6th of 2020. Last but not least, a study published in May in the Journal of Depression and Anxiety, the first ever placebo-controlled study analyzing cannabis use in adults with OCD, included 12 participants and concluded that while self-reported OCD symptoms and anxiety were reduced by cannabis use, it ultimately has little acute impact on OCD symptoms and yields smaller reductions in anxiety compared placebo. So in the first study I mentioned, there was no placebo, but they showed a 60, a 60%, 42%, and 50, excuse me, 60, 
let me just read it over again. I get the numbers wrong. They showed a 60% reduction in compulsions, a 49% decrease in intrusions, and a 52% drop in anxiety. That was all self-reported. However, there's no placebo. Now, in the following study by uh, the Journal of Anxiety and Depression Anxiety, they showed that, yes, there was an impact by taking, you know, CBD or cannabis on your OCD. However, they're saying that it has a little impact on symptoms, you know, the more you take cannabis. And I get this, you know, in, in my opinion, my tinfoil hat conspiracy theory, you're not going to want OCD patients to stop taking OCD drugs, right? If they stop taking OCD drugs, then the pharmaceutical companies lose money and a lot of people are going to be unhappy. So you're going to report that, yes, cannabis has a huge impact on people with OCD and anxiety overall, and they do see a reduction in their symptoms, but it's not a end-all, be-all cure, okay? And so I think this is great because it goes to show you that, yes, you can use cannabis to help you out with your symptoms, but it's not going to cure you uh, cure you of your OCD. It's just going to help you a bit and the more you take it is the less strong the effects of cannabis would be in reducing your OCD symptoms so I, I love it I love it I love that we have these studies multiple studies that go to show you what we all know to be true and as I, as I always say on this podcast cannabis studies give us a level of validity in our communication of the benefits of cannabis because we could all say that cannabis works and it does all these great things but at the end of the day if you're a skeptic you're just going to look at us like some you know overjoyed stoners trying to say that cannabis has a medicinal use and that medicinal use just allows us to smoke our cannabis you know for fun and not medical use so again overall this episode we talked about how diddy wants to create his own black political party he thinks a race war may happen if trump wins who knows i mean i told you guys last episode that text i got about having a list of <laughs> all the black men in florida it got me worried who knows what's gonna happen you're gonna have the proud boys in miami the, the uh, latino proud boys in miami take over you know start some riots who the hell knows is, is it going to be QAnon versus Antifa who the hell knows is going to happen man I just got to stay my ass at home watch it on TV and make sure I'm safe because if Miami clubs are going to be open till 5 a.m. I already know the amount of fuckery is going to happen could you imagine everyone locked in their house for months all right not being able to stay out late for months and then now it's going to open up till 5 a.m. Pandora's box will be opened all right and I again will be enjoying from the sidelines we mentioned how Ice Cube's being dragged for his connection to Trump and his administration for trying to get his contract for black America, you know, in action. And so he's prepared for whoever wins the election, whether it be Trump or Biden. And we'll see what the outcome of that will be in the future. Uh, we also mentioned that uh, Saturday Night Live did a great job of, you know, being an allegory for what we're seeing in our political, you know, environment today to where the party that's playing it safe, that's trying its best not to offend and trying its best to make everyone happy, ultimately is having the least impact on people who may or not, may or may not go and vote in the polls. And it goes to show you in life, you don't want to always play it safe. Can you play it safe sometimes like at work? Sure. But playing it safe is not also not always the best ideal. So before this rain comes in and washes me away, I want to say thank you for listening to the episode. And as mentioned at the beginning of the episode, our podcast is now in the top 30 cannabis podcasts in the world. We used to be in the top 20. Uh, I realize the numbers are going down or not growing as fast as it used to be. So my goal now is to grow the podcast as 
much as I can to get it back to top 20 and that we are indeed coming for that number one spot. The number one cannabis podcast in the world, High TV. We're coming there. The audience, you're, you're going to be a part of it. And one day say, yo, I listen to the number one podcast on cannabis in the world. What are you listening to? The Kardashians? Anyway, that's been today's episode. Thank you for tuning in to Cannabis News Now from High TV. Catch you next week. Shout out to all my listeners internationally. Love you guys. Shout out to you guys listening on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Music. Y'all come in every every freaking week, and I'm happy for it. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week, fam. Stay tuned. Stay high. High TV.